When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Stats and Cone and the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Grant Cone. Look at you, Grant, outside on a Wednesday, looking good over there. It's really quite crisp in Northern California today. I'd have to describe the weather as crisp, like a honey crisp apple that's been in the refrigerator for a few hours. It's nice. It's really nice. You sound very zen right now. Thank you. I'm going to do a PBS voice, NPR voice the entire show. Here to talk about the 49ers. Really excited. So excited. You could hear it in my voice that I want to talk about football. It's going to be nice. It's going to be a good thing. 49ers are coming off a classic win over the Jaguars. Did you see the video of the Jags fan leaving the stadium saying that it was like a home game for the Niners and that even the weather looked like San Francisco because it was overcast? Yeah. Well, I mean, that should be expected because the Jaguars, the Jaguars don't have fans. So when you don't have fans, you end up getting your stadium filled by the other team. I mean, ask the Rams. This happens a lot of times when the Niners go on the road. Moonman says Grant looks like a 50-year-old man. I don't think that's that's mean. Um, Want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to both YouTube channels, the Grant Cohen YouTube channel and the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. What's up? Can I say something? The guy called me a 50-year-old man. That's fine. I just want to say that I made an eggplant parm last night. I saw it was uh, the coach's recipe. It took me like two and a half hours. I just want to say that. So, yeah, this this 50-year-old man can cook. Wait, two and a half hours? Oh, my goodness. It took forever. You have to you have to cut 
the eggplant. You have to salt the eggplant. That takes an hour. And then while you're doing that, you got to make the marinara from scratch. And then you got to, you know, dredge the eggplant, batter the eggplant, fry the eggplant, bake the egg. It's, I mean, it's a lot of stuff, but <laughs> I did it. No problem. Oh, look at that. Look at the look. And you, you put it on broil right at the end just to get a little char, yeah. a little, a little like that. Yeah, you got to have the little like almost not quite burnt, but almost burnt on top and around the edges. If you're watching on the stream right now, you can see a picture of it. Was it good? It was good. It's the first time I've ever tried that recipe and it made me feel uh, proud of myself. So All right. here you go. That's my hobby now, cooking. There you go. Keep us posted. I want more pictures and videos of the great. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly going to turn my YouTube channel into a cooking channel and I'm going to start talking <laughs> about football. Sorry. Colby says Grant's dressed like Kirk Cousins. That's also Oof. Did you see what Brock went into the 49ers game with last week? Just like a Coles you know. green shirt. Like literally like could have been off the rack. He probably got it with Coles cash. I like that. It's kind of like a subliminal message. Like the Niners aren't paying me anything. I'm going to come out here and stunt like I got money because I don't. They're taking advantage of me. No, I'm just kidding. But it's funny. It's like it's a little subtle, subtle reminder. Like I make no money. I'm playing for free. <laughs> I want to start with Brock Purdy because – I have said many times being a quarterback is all about the worst thing you do. And I thought Brock had one bad throw in this game. The worst thing that Brock did in this game was throw a touchdown pass to Brandon. Ayuk Cause that was a dumb decision and it wasn't a good throw and it resulted in a touchdown. And that was the worst thing he did all day after that. It was all good. Yeah, it was, he's, he's a really good quarterback when he's winning. And I think that play sort of was like the defining play of the game. If that, that play could have went either way. That's like a 50-50 ball. He just threw that up, and and they God flipped a coin on that one, and Brandon Ayuk <laughs> came down with it. But, like, if that had gone the other way, like, like it could have, the 50% 50, the 50 other chance that it could have gone the other way, yep. I mean, I mean, the Niners still would have won because the Jaguars were still going to score three points. But still, like, in games where these blunders, uh, where he isn't so lucky and he falls behind, He's just not the same quarterback. Like, he's a very good quarterback on this team, in this system, when he's tied or winning. But once it's time to, like, you know, drop back in, and pass over and over and over again, come back from a deficit, that's not his game. And maybe it's not – I mean, not many quarterbacks can do that well. That's the highest degree of difficulty of quarterback play. Um, but this guy's, you know, leading the league in quarterback rating. People talking about him like he's the best quarterback since Steve Young on this team. Like, mm, I don't know about that. He's a lot like Alex Smith. My we opinion. don't we don't have to decide right now. Like let's just, you know, like one thing no, you have to decide right now. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. One thing that's popped up this week, which is so weird to me. I think I saw David Lombardi do it, and I've seen a couple, maybe it was Barrows or somebody. People are like rushing to say, like, oh, Brock Purdy has 17 starts now. If you don't count the Eagles start and you count the game against Miami where he didn't start the game, but he came in early, now he has 17. It's like just wait a week, and then he'll actually have 17 like real starts that we can talk about. But people are like racing to do it because they want to tell you what Brock's stats are after a full year because now that means we know what he is. And I'm still of the opinion that we just just wait. Just let it play out. We don't have to decide. I think it's scary that he has that he has such a disparity between the first three quarters and the fourth quarter, his stats. Uh, winning and losing his stats, play action and non-play action. His, I think he has huge splits there, and I think it paints a picture of a guy who is again a great fit in this on this team. But is he going to win a Super Bowl? Don't know. I think a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback has to have the ability to bring you from behind. 
maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's examples of quarterbacks who didn't do that. But I think I feel like that was a while ago. I don't know. Maybe he'll get more opportunities in these situations and improve. Maybe that's something. He just has been in so many blowouts that a close game in the fourth quarter is new to him, and he doesn't exactly know how to handle it. Um, but I know he was in a lot of close games like that in college. And he didn't necessarily do so well. He lost a lot of games in college and turned the ball over a lot. That's my that's my only thing with Brock. I know when they're up 10-0, you can count on him to, like, seal the deal. He's not going to pull a Jimmy Garoppolo. And what did Chris Berman used to say? Snatch victory from the jaws. No, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Jimmy would do that. Brock doesn't do that. So good for him. <laughs> Sorry. No, I I agree with you. Um, I think that I think it's to his credit that he hasn't been in a lot of close games. Like, you right. know, that doesn't no just happen. He's a part of the reason that that is the case. Uh, Let's let him hang around for three quarters. No, you don't want to do that. Give him right. credit for putting him away. How about yeah. we just win by 30 points? Uh, Goldberg <laughs> yeah. says, Grant sounded so ridiculous advocating to bench Brock and start Sam Darnold. Well, thanks. At least you paid me five bucks, though. Here's the thing. <laughs> well, I think it was for Rob. All I said was after six days after a concussion, they didn't have to bench Brock. They could have played Sam Darnold, still lost to the Bengals, and at least seen what you had in him uh, and maybe protect – Brock Purdy from getting his head snapped on the ground like that happened at the end of the Bengals game. But they didn't do that, and he bounced back. So good for Brock. And I didn't I didn't say that. I didn't say, hey, Kyle, bench Brock at the bye week. I just asked him, would he consider it? And you know yeah. what? I bet he did consider it. I bet part of him was like, should I do it? And he was like, no, it's Sam Darnold. Let's move on. <laughs> should I? Oh, wait, that's right. It's Sam No, it's still Darnold. Sam Darnold. Yeah. So, yeah, like we talked about before the game last week, would you rather than win a close game or win a blowout? I was obviously happy with just the win period. I'll take the blowout win. Um, and I think we still have to find out whether Brock can, can come from behind how he plays in close games. Cause like you said, he hasn't been in very many and you know what, if they keep winning by 30 and we never find out, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. I just don't feel like they're going to win the Super Bowl that way. I just don't think it's that easy. It was that easy against Jacksonville, but that's a team they're never going to face again. They're, they're not going to be in the Super Bowl. Maybe the Niners will. So I, I just like I titled my stream what we learned about the Niners against the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. If it if the Jaguars had been prepared, they didn't look prepared. They look like a young team that took the bye week off. If the <laughs> bye, if the Jaguars had been like real and, and prepared, and that had been a close game, the Niners had come from behind. I think we would have learned a lot about it. But the fact that they did what they did, I mean, we've seen them do that before. That's what they did to Dallas. So we know that like we learned that that's still in them. That when they're rested and healthy and motivated, they can do that. Like they can make a weak team look like it shouldn't be in the NFL and they can make a fraudulent team, you know, realize that they're fraudulent, but they can also play down to PJ Walker. They can also play down to the Vikings when they're, you know, when they don't feel the game is that important. Cause I feel like this is a team that's played so many games, so many big games are looking toward the playoffs all the time. So this is an interesting week. We're going to learn something about Tampa. We're going to learn something about them when they play Tampa, because this is another game that everyone expects them to win. A lot of people pick the Jaguars. I pick the Jaguars. A lot of people pick the Jaguars to win that game. No one's going to pick Tampa to win this game. This is just another right. game where people are going to hardly notice, and they're going to look at the score and be like, oh, the Niners are rolling, right? And that's when the, these Niners have been kind of iffy. Now, they're only two weeks off a of bye week. They should be fresh. They should be good. But I'm curious, like, when they face Arizona late – no, Arizona sucks. When they face Washington late in the season, are they going to be rested and fresh and ready to go? Or are they going to, like, blow it like they did to P.J. freaking Walker? They lost to P.J. Walker. Remember that? That was crazy. Well, they did. I remember that. Um, I will say. Oh, they didn't have Trent Williams. Oh, they did. They didn't have Debo Samuel. 
Okay. Yeah, they, they didn't go undefeated. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I will say the 49ers' losses are aging like wine, Grant. I mean, they lost to Cleveland. They just came back on Baltimore, who was looking like the best team in the league. They lost to Minnesota. Minnesota still looks good now. Josh Dobbs is like piloting them to freaking victories right now. I love Josh Dobbs. And the, the Pastronaut has the best nickname in the NFL. The Pastronaut. Hell yeah. <laughs> so good. I mean, their losses look pretty good. Even the Cincinnati loss. I know Cincinnati just lost to D'Amico Ryan Texans, but they're still been playing much, much better. Niners losses look pretty good. It's true. Uh, it's interesting that the Bengals lost to the Texans. Does that mean that the Bengals aren't that good or that the Texans are better than we realize? Yeah. Texans have a quarterback. Yeah, Texans they, have a quarterback. He, that That's an interesting play. thing. Yeah. D'Amico Ryan's might be the coach of the year. I thought it was Robert Sala, but it's looking like it's D'Amico. It's definitely not Robert Sala. I mean, How? does Mike McDaniel have a win like like D'Amico has over Cincinnati? No. I don't know. Every time Miami plays a good team, they lose. That's right. And I feel like Houston's beating some teams. Houston beat Jacksonville, too. Yep. Houston's coming on. So I, that's a team that D'Amico is doing a great job. He's a hell of a coach. And Bobby Slowick. We should give Bobby Slowick some love, too. Um, but yeah. to get back to the 49ers, obviously they get the win. I'm a little worried about Brock because I still think Brock has this like YOLO kind of the same thing that gets him to just let it rip down the field and make some throws where you're like, damn, is the same thing that causes him to make that decision in the red zone. Like we saw throw late back across his body over the middle of the field. He had spent all week telling us Grant about how he has to be smart and know the line between being reckless and, you know, being a playmaker and all that stuff. And then the first possession of the game, they go down in the red zone on first down and he makes that throw. I think that's something that we're just going to have to live with. I agree. I think this is who he is. He's not, I compared him to Alex Smith. That's actually a terrible comparison because Alex Smith was extremely safe and cautious to a fault. Everyone was like, man, throw the darn ball. Mm-hmm. Brock is not safe, man. I mean, he's just, he might even be more yeah, reckless than Jimmy because what Brock will do is he'll extend the play. He, he'll go full playmaker mode. He'll start pointing people and stuff and like, it's like, <laughs> okay, okay, man. Like we trust you. And he does make a lot of plays. He does. The one to use check was great, but he mm-hmm. also, um, I think he like bites off a little more than he can chew at, at times. I mean, I think He's limited, but he doesn't think so. He thinks he's <laughs> Brett Favre. He thinks he's Dan Marino. I mean, he really thinks he's that good. And I think when he gets outside of structure, like that's why the Niners keep saying they don't, they don't want him extending plays. They want him sticking in the pocket and sticking to structure because the ball comes out in two and a half seconds and he's just sort of running the offense. He's really good at it and it works. But once like maybe someone's hurt or they play a good defense and he has to do a little bit more and extend plays, I feel like, I just feel like the turnover is coming the more he has to do it. Well, I think that's going to be the thing with him. It's how often does that, that instinct, whatever you want to call it, lead him to make good throws and big plays. And how often does it lead him to sort of self-destruct? And I think you, you hit on it. The more he feels like he has to do, the more that pendulum kind of swings over to the bad side. And so that's why he's so much better when the Niners are rolling because he, he will just keep it rolling. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he, he, he threw that one pass. It wasn't intercepted. It was, it was a touchdown. He gets a lead. He can relax. He can exhale. He can play, you know, he can play with the lead the whole time. And all of a sudden his confidence grows and grows and grows. But what we've also seen from him is when he, when that, when he doesn't get lucky and that's intercepted and he falls behind, he doesn't necessarily play with the same 
confidence, calm. All of a sudden, he presses a little bit, and the next turnover happens. Or at least it has sometimes. So that's another thing I want to watch with Brock Purdy in games where he makes a mistake and he falls behind. Can he Joe cool it and, and brush it off and be the hero at the end? That's the kind of thing Russell Wilson does all the time. Uh, or is he the, like more like more like Nick Mullins where he beats himself up and when one mistake turns into two? I, have, I mean, I would be that kind of quarterback if I were a quarterback, but I'm not because I chose to be a content creator, but I could have been a quarterback. It just wasn't my choice. It's high five. Always drips says Grant looks like a public defender. The court assigns and helps you to still end up in jail. I'm sorry, that's good. Look, I, I I'm not. Looking. I totally agree. Damn. I walk in and they're like, "Damn, I'm screwed. I'm screwed." Yeah. Still if going. I'm, 10, I'm getting ten. Um, I agree with what you said about Brock. It's funny, like people are. There's a comment here, and of course now I can't find it, but it was laughing at us saying, you guys are forgetting that Brock is still new to the NFL. Yeah, like that's we're trying to figure out what he is. We're trying to to decide what he is. And and we've got, you know, now as everyone likes to say, 17 starts of of data, and we're trying to figure it out here. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and I like this question: reckless or playmaker? I feel like it depends on the context. During the three-game losing streak, he was reckless. Yes, And it was like, why? Like, well, Trent Williams was out and Debo was out and he had to do more. It wasn't as simple as throw a screen to Debo or flip it to Debo. He had to do a lot more and um, it didn't go so well. I feel like if he were on another team, that was a bad team or a mediocre team. I think like we saw that in college. He was at Iowa State, not a good team. He had to lead, he had to lead the team, be the engine of the team. And he was reckless a lot and they lost a lot of games. Um, here, he doesn't have to do that. And I think it brings out the best. He, he can the Niners make him look like a playmaker because they don't ask him to make that many plays. And when he does it a couple times a game, it's like it stands out because Jimmy didn't do it. But really, you're asking him is to not do that too much, man. Like, don't put the game in your hands. You're 23, you're precocious, you're advanced, and you really got a lot going for you, man. But, like, just do what Kyle tells you to do for now because you still got a lot to learn. It's going to be his benefit, and it's going to be to the team's benefit. Uh, official BNA Music says, now there's a chance we get revenge on P.J. Walker in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think that'll be happening because I don't think there's a chance in hell the Browns make the Super Bowl. Um, Jack Parada says, Kyle might be saving J.P. Mason for the playoffs, catch other teams off guard. <laughs> Can we just get back to winning two in a row before we jump to the playoffs? The Browns should have traded for Josh Dobbs. Can we just pause for a second? He was on that team to start the year. He was Josh there- Dobbs is like the best story in the league this year. He's the he's this year's Brock Purdy. I can't get enough of the Josh Dobbs story. It's great. He's been around. He's almost 30, and all of a sudden, he gets an opportunity. He's like, maybe he's a new Geno. I don't know what you want to call him, but he's just a phenomenal story, and I hope it keeps going. Absolutely. He started the year as the Browns' backup quarterback. That's the ironic thing. And then they trade him to Arizona, and then he plays well in Arizona, and they trade him to Minnesota, and now the Browns are like, ah, crap. We need a quarterback. <laughs> See, when Dobbs or when when Dobbs in particular, maybe Geno too, get an opportunity in their late 20s and they're good, doesn't it make you wonder, like, how many other quarterbacks mm-hmm. just needed an opportunity and didn't really get one? I mean, makes me think back to Trey Lance, man. Is he ever, ever, ever? Like, is he going to pop up when he's 27 somewhere and be like, oh, damn, Trey Lance is still in the league. He's on his 18th team. <laughs> and he's good. Wow, he's actually good. He just never got – I wonder if, if that could happen to him. He'll be on his 18th team and he'll be on his fifth start. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually he can play. It just It needed one team that was tanking. I mean, why did Josh Dobbs get to play? Because the Cardinals were trying to lose 
And then he was so good that he wasn't losing. They're like, dude, we got to trade this guy. Like, we're tanking. And now he's still winning with Minnesota. It's a great story. It is. And good for it's him. A major league. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's, it's literally like it is weird that we've had these quarterback stories, whether it was Geno Smith or Brock Purdy. And now it's Josh Dobbs, like weird kind of come from nowhere quarterback stories. But whatever. I'm here for it, man. It's, it makes the league better. And yeah. also, I don't want the Lions to get the number one seed. And the only tough games left on their schedule now are the two they have against Minnesota. So please keep it going, Josh Dobbs. The Lions schedule is so damn easy. It, it's really it makes me mad every time I look at it. Well, that that division is is so easy. It's a, it's a ridiculous division, um, but the NFC is a, a ridiculous conference, and the NFC West isn't that much better. I mean, the only thing making the NFC West respectable besides the Niners is Seattle. They have the same they have the same record as the Niners. I don't know. What do you think of Seattle? I, who? How does Seattle stack? There's a bonus question. How does Seattle stack up with the Niners after half a season? It's a good question, and we'll find out in a couple weeks because we got that Philadelphia sandwich coming up after the Tampa game. It's in Seattle on Thanksgiving, then in Philly, then home against Seattle. I still think that the Niners have the advantage. I know that Seattle and Geno can move the ball a little bit, but Geno also has like one or two plays a game inside the pocket where he has no idea where the rush is coming from, and he either makes a bad throw or he gets absolutely smashed. And I, I think that the Niners will still be able to move the ball against the Seahawks defense, even though they do look better this year. I mean, they beat them three times last year for a reason. That didn't happen by accident. No, I will say, though, that the the uh, the Seahawks beat P.J. Walker. So there's that. They beat him 24 to 20. Yeah, but that's not how it works. The Jets beat the Bills, you know, like. <laughs> that's true. No, I, I don't think the Seahawks are that good, man. They're six and three. But their defense ranks 25th in yards allowed. Their offense ranks 18th in yards gained. I think their their point differential is negative. Like I don't think they're that good. The so, Seahawks have beaten Detroit in overtime, which is a good win. Carolina, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Browns, and Washington. So, look, you play who's on your schedule, but not exactly a murderer's row there if you're the Seahawks. Yeah, and again, their their overall net points is negative one. Negative one. Niners are plus 109. Seahawks negative one. Rams negative 26. Arizona negative 87. So, yeah, that's one hell. Look, the NFC is a joke. Look at the NFC South. Saints are leading that division at five and five with an overall net points of plus 16. Then they got the Tampa Bay Bucks who are coming to town this weekend. Watch out for Tampa Bay. Four and five plus five overall net points. Like, this is... Actually, the NFC North is a hell of a division compared to these ones. I mean, you got Detroit at plus 38, Minnesota at plus 24, Green Bay at minus three. That's a murderer's row right there. Oh, my God. Watch out for the NFC North. Well, the Niners actually have the second best point differential in the entire league. Only the Ravens are better. Uh, Baltimore is plus 113. Then San Francisco is second at plus 109 because their losses have been close for the most part and their wins have been blowout wins. Right. And I feel like I'm just prepared for a, a lot more blowouts. A lot more early crowning of the Niners as champions, and then some happening in the playoffs. You know, some fluky that's just not their fault, and you can't blame them for it. And that really, the Niners should have won the Super Bowl this year, and probably would have, but you know, the refs or an injury or this call or this bounce or this thing or this that. I just, I'm just prepared for it. I'm prepared. Mir Tillman says, we learned that without Debo and Trent Williams, they're zero and three, and with them, they're six and zero. It's that simple. It does almost feel like a house of cards. Like it's amazing how they could look so good when everybody's there. But if even just one of those guys is not there, 
they look like a totally different team. And that does worry me a little bit. Okay. It's like other teams have injuries too. Okay. They didn't have deep. They did have Trent Williams against the, the, the Browns. Let's be clear about that. They lost Debo and lost to a Browns team that was, that didn't have their starting quarterback and their starting running back. So the Niners were at a disadvantage. Then the next week they lost to a, a Vikings team that didn't have Justin Jefferson. So, okay. Like, if the Niners don't have those two guys, they could lose to any team. That's what that's what any team, any banged up, mediocre, bad team can beat the Niners if Debo and Trent aren't out there. Like, what does that say about the Niners? Two guys. That's the weird part about it. I, it's amazing to me that they could look so they look unbeatable with everybody. Like unbeatable. Like get but off. That's the not field. realistic football. They're not going to have everybody in the playoffs. You would you don't think get to win like that forever. Right. So. so so they're just going to fall apart when D like Debo's going to miss more time. Sorry, knock on wood. Hope he doesn't, but <laughs> he's gonna. It's, it's a really weird, strange phenomenon with this team, but I'm just going to enjoy it right now while it's here. The other kind of big story of the week grant is that there's probably going to be a shakeup on the offensive line. John Feliciano was in there for Aaron Banks played well. And Kyle Shanahan basically said that when Aaron Banks gets back, Feliciano is going to split time with Spencer Burford, who has been, about hideously time. bad this year about time I, look nothing against spencer burford he's young he was a fourth round pick he was a tackle he was a left tackle in college he turned him into a right guard fine i i, I admire that he's trying he, he's a, he's a pro he's a he's a hard worker but so is drake jackson and it's a results business and drake jackson didn't get it done and he got buried in the depth chart and that's just the way mm -hmm. it goes he'll get him, he'll get another chance next year and the year after that uh spencer burford's had any number of chances to show that he's a serviceable right guard, and he's not. He's worse than Daniel Brunskill. Brunskill should have been the full-time starter last year. They would have been better just playing Brunskill last year, but they thought that they were grooming Burford and that he would take a leap this year, but he hasn't. And now they'll just be better off playing John Feliciano all the time at right guard. None of this <laughs> half-splitting, I'm sorry, like give Spencer Burford another chance next year like you are with Drake Jackson, but no. No, he's not good enough. And frankly, I don't think Colt McKivitz is either. I think what they should be doing on the right side is preparing Feliciano and Jalen Moore to play there the rest of the year. I don't care what they did in training camp. Get them ready now. Those Get your five best offensive linemen on the field, please. Yeah, I've never really heard of a team using like a platoon system at any offensive line spot because you want continuity. You want cohesion. You want, you know, familiarity there. Uh, it worked for the 49ers when they did it with Brunskill, though, and maybe they think it'll work this year. But like... If you have to split time with somebody, then why are they getting into your lineup at all? So I agree with you. I understand, like, you do that for a rookie. Like, okay, you know, this guy's going to be really good next year. Because that was the whole thing. Like, hey, look, Aaron Banks didn't even play as a rookie. Right. And then he was good as a, as a second-year player. So with Burford, he's going to get some experience. And then he's going to make an even bigger leap in his second year because of the experience. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Okay, fine. Like, you're in week 11. React. Notice that John Feliciano is better than him and put him at right guard when you can. I don't know when Aaron Banks is coming back. It might be a few weeks for him in his turn, yeah. but eventually it seems like you got to get your five best offensive linemen on the field. And now that you've seen it in games, you can't deny what, what what's right in front of all of our eyes. I totally agree. And I hope they do it. I hope Aaron Banks heals up that turf toe, man. That is a, that is a beast. It's, it can linger. It can hang around. That's what got Deion Sanders. And now he doesn't even have that toe anymore. So it's it's a scary injury for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, Gorn Gornison says, which Brett Favre cosplayer will prevail this Sunday, Baker Mayfield or Brocker Mayfield? 
they are similar, aren't they? Kind of. Um, Brocker. I'm going to go with Brocker. Not a big Baker guy. Not a big Baker guy. I like Baker's personality. I just don't like him as a quarterback. But I, I always found his personality fun, enjoyable. I loved all the commercials. Like, I don't know why people got so bent out of shape about that. But as a quarterback. His commercials. Why? But it wasn't necessarily his fault. Like, the concept that he lives in the stadium, that's not. And they made, like, 20 of them. Like, they were. Yeah. Like, it was clever. It's like, man, he doesn't live in that stadium. And it's a stupid concept. Please. Uh, I like this comment from Terror Dome, YouTube channel member, which, by the way, if you want to become a YouTube channel member of my channel, please uh, consider it. It's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis. You get membership badges. You get priority comment response. Uh, Grant, obviously, you have YouTube channel memberships as well. So, everyone, if you want to support us, please do so. Terror Dome says, can any team lose two All-Pros on offense and still not change? If you have two other all pros that are still there, you should be able to write the ship, though. That's the difference about the 49ers. It's it's absurd to say that they have that many, but you still have CMC and you still have Kittle. And oh, by the way, the other guy you got that's not an all pro is Ayuk. So, like, yeah, you also, should be able to score. Also, it's a funny thing when Trent, D, uh, Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are out, the defense also falls off. It's the craziest thing. The defense apparently can't perform without Debo Samuel and Trent Williams you know, uh, leading them down the tunnel with the boom box that did you hear? Would you watch the game on television? Yep. I, I, was it Daryl Johnston said that like oh. they need like, that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are the emotional center of the team. And the yes, team needs they did like, say that. Okay. So yeah, I guess the whole team just doesn't really feel like playing football unless Trent Williams, and Debo Samuel. It's the craziest thing. First of all, like every team does a cool intro coming out of the locker room. Like, I don't think it's nearly as big a deal as people seem to be making it out to be. The Browns did the 49ers intro. So, like, it's not like it's intimidating teams. I think where people are way overblowing that little uh, introduction that the 49ers do. Daryl Johnson made it sound like the Niners have no will or passion for football without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel in the huddle. Like, okay, well, what does that say about them? So glad Daryl Johnson is going to be on the call this week, too. I'm sorry. Um, nothing against Daryl Johnson, who might be a big fan of the show. I might be watching right now. But, like, I wasn't a super big fan of his call last week, I thought. He kept saying the word resiliency. Yo, that is not a word. <laughs> it is The word is resilience. What are you doing, man? I, I love football. People just make up words and stick to it for the whole broadcast. Like, someone needs to tell them that's not a word. Well, that's like our boy John Lynch. Convicted. He loves <laughs> convicted. convicted. And no one noticed until my dad said, my dad's always a stickler on that. He's like, hold on. That is not what he means. We just not in jail. Very convicted. Oh God. Brutal. John, you God. went to, you went to Stanford. You got to get that right. Richie rich. Two Oh nine Grant dresses like a substitute teacher. <laughs> Hello. I'm I Mr. Cohn. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's true though. Um, do you my forehead like a dork. I'm looking like a total jerk over here. Sorry. Drank too much coffee. I need to drink more water. It's the issue. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It seems like it. Uh, let's talk about the defense. Obviously, they had a bounce back week, a huge bounce back week. Steve Wilkes was on the sideline, which the ironic thing to me about that is Steve Wilkes is on the sideline, yet Kyle Shanahan said after the game that it's the most overrated thing in the world. It's like, okay, Kyle, but you're the one that put Steve on the sideline. So what are they saying? Is that basically saying like, hey, you guys told us to do it, whereas we're, we're essentially just appeasing you. That's kind of what it felt like. Hey, man, everyone's telling us we got to do something. We don't really want to change anything. Let's, you know, rearrange something that's totally meaningless and add Chase Young. Kind of feels think, like, you know, let's get people off our back. I think that I wouldn't be shocked, and maybe you, you're in a position to know this more than me. I have a feeling some of the vets, you know, those wily vets on the 49ers, I think they went to Kyle and said, we want him on the field. And I think that's why Kyle did it. Not because fans were screaming about it, because it, the calls came from inside the house. There's one more possible interpretation. And if I'm wrong, I want to apologize in advance because I don't know. But there was a relay system of communication, right? It went Steve Wilkes to Johnny Holland to Fred Warner. That's how yeah. the play call went. And it's possible that the issue wasn't necessarily Wilkes. The issue was the, you know, the, the steps that there were three awesome. instead of two. Or maybe Johnny Holland wasn't doing something correctly. And instead of criticizing Johnny publicly for doing, you know, doing something not so well that he shouldn't have been doing in the first place. They just put it on Wilkes or took it themselves. Like who knows? It could be a million things, but maybe just streamlining the communication process, getting Johnny Holland out of it. He didn't ask to be part of it and just getting Steve Wilkes, you know, directly talking to Fred Warner. That seems like it, it couldn't hurt, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Right. I think the much more impactful changes that they made are number one, getting Isaiah Oliver the hell off the field. because He was terrible. And number two, going with some five-man fronts, going with some disguise before the play. They had one play with Bosa and Chase Young. Or Bosa was in the A-gap. They had another multiple plays where both Greenlaw and Warner were right up on the line of scrimmage. I loved it because that gave the pass rush just that extra beat to get home and disrupt Trevor Lawrence, and they did. Yeah, um, that was big, but there was also the big admission. The, the secondary is where I'm looking. Because I feel like the secondary is what unlocks the entire defense. And they finally went back to what they did week one. If you remember week one, Ambry was playing. They had Lenore starting outside and the nickel. He would go to the slot and Ambry would come on the field. And the Steelers didn't really figure out that he was out there or who he was until the end of the first half. And then they went out that went after him and the Niners benched him at halftime. Never saw him again. Now he's back. And again, I don't think the Jaguars either knew or had the, the, the personnel to do anything about it. Like Calvin Ridley, I'm not, no one's scared of Calvin Ridley. And, uh, Christian Kirk, more of a slot guy. So it worked last week, but <laughs> are they going to get away with that week after week? I, <laughs> I don't know about that. He's got to guard. He's got to cover Mike Evans. Now they're not going to let him off the hook unless all of a sudden Steve Wilkes has Traverius Ward sort of following around, shadowing Mike Evans, wherever he goes, which is possible. But I think you're going to have to do stuff like that. Otherwise, are they going to be going back to Isaiah? I mean, that whole conundrum there. 
letting Jimmy Ward go and bringing in Isaiah Oliver, I don't think the Niners are off the hook with that yet. I think they're still going to lose games because of that decision. To me, it comes Bad. down to can you get league average play out of whoever it is, whether it's Ambry, whether it's somebody else, whether it's Samuel Womack, if he gets the nod when he comes back. Just give me average play because right now what they have is a liability. Even Ambry Thomas, I know he had a pretty good game, but you know he also let up a couple of completions and had a penalty, which he had like one of the most brutal penalties, clearly a flag, and they throw it, and he's got his arms out. Like, what, me? It's like, dude, you weren't even looking at the ball, and you were mugging the receiver down the field. But give me average play at that spot, and I think they'll be okay. Yeah, but the problem is I'm not sure they're going to get average play at that spot. It sounds so simple. If they get Jack Jones, maybe. But Samuel Womack, I've seen Samuel Womack play. He's a lot smaller than Ambry Thomas, and he's his coverage is a lot tighter, but it's too tight. He commits a lot of penalties, and even when he's mugging the receiver, he doesn't make plays at the catch point. At least he didn't in training camp or preseason. So to me, he gives up a lot of big plays and penalties. And then you got Darrell Luter Jr., who's a rookie, who really hasn't played since minicamp. He missed all of training camp and the preseason. And he's just going to step in on a playoff team down the stretch and say, I got this. Ambry Thomas, watch this. Like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he will. But saving that, I don't know that Samuel Womack is necessarily going to be the solution. And I don't know if they have a solution, and that's kind of scary. Well, it, ain't, it ain't Isaiah Oliver. I know that. <laughs> Definitely not. Josh Wyatt says it's not Debo or Trent. They lost Christian McCaffrey against the Browns, and he averaged three yards per carry the next two games looking slow and banged up. The bye week tell, but what was that nonsense record chasing in the fourth? I totally agree with the end of that. I killed Shanahan after the game, and everybody jumped down my throat because the Niners won, and you wanted nothing but happy times. But him right. force-feeding McCaffrey in a 31-point game when your Super Bowl hopes rest on 23 shoulders – was absurd and unnecessarily risky. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it's like a, the priorities are messed up. You got to have your priorities straight in life. And they're probably like, they don't know what their priorities are right now. Are your priorities get Christian McCaffrey, you know, some accolades, get him a MVP offensive player of the year. Like, cool. Or is your, is your priority to win the Super Bowl? Because if that's your priority, then it seems to me that your goal every week would be to use Christian McCaffrey as little as possible and still win because you're going to save him. But if you're trying to get him awards, which I guess would you could take you know credit for vicariously, like I coached him, then just give him the ball as much as possible and win by 30 and say, you know, that's a feather in my cap. I, I just think that they had an opportunity out of that game winning big with him had, having like 12, 13 carries and right. six catches. That's a win. That's a win. I can go into next week feeling like, man, he's still fresh. But now you empty the tank, and we've seen what's happened with this in the past. I think it was a bad decision. It's hilarious to me that they were like, oh, we were so tired and beat up. We needed the bye week. It's like, well, you had an opportunity to give this guy five fewer touches, take five fewer hits, and instead you tried to get that stupid record, which nobody even knew about before Christian McCaffrey went on this run. Nobody had any idea that Lenny Moore had the record for because it's, ultimately it doesn't matter. But it I think it matter. I think it's a good thing now that it's over. Now you don't have to force feed McCaffrey like that. That's gone. You can spread the ball around. It's almost like a weight off their shoulder. So I think it's a good thing that the streak is actually over. And it's like you need to learn how to win different ways. And the Niners win pretty much one way, feeding McCaffrey, 
taking a lead early and playing good defense. But it'd be nice. I mean, and like, look, if when they get to the playoffs, that's how they're gonna play. It's gonna be all about McCaffrey. They're not gonna be shy about feeding him the ball. That's great. But do you need to do that in mid-November? Or would it be better to maybe not do that? I'm not saying don't use McCaffrey, but like maybe feature other guys other weeks and see if you can win in new ways while preserving your best player so you can use them the way you want to use them in the playoffs. I mean, right? I'm on board. You convinced me. (laughs) Um, McCaffrey had 16 carries in the game, six receptions. Elijah Mitchell did have eight carries, which I liked, which I thought was good because that's probably the most they've gotten another running back involved, but he could have had more if, and McCaffrey would have had less if they weren't trying to get him that record. McCaffrey didn't need to play in the fourth quarter. Agreed. You know how Steph Curry often is like just on, well, when he was younger and the team was great, he would just not play in the fourth quarter. That should be what the Niners do. What are you trying to prove? You won the game. It's over. It doesn't matter what the numbers are anymore. Get to the Super Bowl. Get your guys out. Frank Tom Ocean, YouTube channel member, says Fred Warner said he's coming out with the boombox this week. Great. On the list of things that worry me, I mean, I could care less who's coming out with the stupid boombox to start the game. Oh, there's a bunny over there. What's up, bunny? Man, the things you see when you sit outside. Little bunny. Matthew Sanders. Matriculation means enrolling in school. Aggressiveness when they mean aggression. Also, anything that comes out of Stephen A. Smith's mouth on most days. Did you also notice that any time a football announcer during a game refers to a tight end, he always calls him the big tight end. (laughs) As if... Some teams have small tight ends. It's like, right. oh, yeah, you had to remind us that tight ends are larger than wide receivers every time. Notice the that. Tight end. The big tight end. The big tight end. The big tight end. Like, thank right. you. No one's like the 5'10", 140-pound tight end. That, that's not really a thing. Yeah, you didn't have to clarify. We know. Matthew Sanders says Jack Jones claimed off waivers by the Raiders. Yes, I know a lot of 49er fans were hoping. So if you don't know, now that we're past the trade deadline, anybody that gets cut has to go through waivers. So even if John Lynch wanted him and put in a claim, it goes by record. And the 49ers have one of the better records, so they're at the bottom of the league. And also, every other team that's ahead of you can look and say, oh, the Niners probably want this guy. We'll put a claim in on him so they can't get him. And so the, the odds that the 49ers got Jack Jones were pretty slim. It just shows you how much harder it is to get a quality corner than a quality edge rusher. The Niners say it all starts up front, and sure, it does. Um, You can get edge rushers all the time. Good ones. Guys who were first-round picks, and you can get them for pretty cheap. Corners? Good luck. Good freaking luck finding those. And it's just it's not because it's a more important position. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's a harder position to play. You tell me. But I think it's a harder position to play. It's I couldn't do it. I mean, I can't do anything, obviously. You could do it. But don't don't think that way. You have to have a can-do attitude, Rob. I could have a can-do attitude all I want. As long as I'm 5'10, 140 soaking wet, I I can't do anything. 5'10, 140? 5'10, 140. This I is thought you were like 6'3. No. This is as close as I could get to the National Football League. Uh official BNA music says, I like thick tight ends. All right. <laughs> Good for you. By the way, we got a little breaking news. Nick Bosa is the NFC funny. Defensive Player of the Week, joining who as the only other 49ers player to win the award five times. This is kind of surprising. It's really, it's a weird name. You'll know the name when you hear it, but you would never think that this person would be a five-time. All-time? Like yeah. all-time? All-time. Oh. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, Safety. Ronnie Lott? Merton Hanks. 
Merton Hanks. Yes. <laughs> How crazy is that? Merton, Merton Hanks, Hanks. A lot of passes, man. Merton Hanks was very good. Yes, he was. Uh, How about that? Wade. Merton. Wayne Z says stats is a beast at Madden. No, I am a beast at Madden. I'll be doing the uh, 49ers Madden sim this week. That'll be up on the YouTube channel as well. Stay tuned for that. Uh, oh, a lot of Alden Smith guesses. Yeah, you would think Alden Smith, but no, apparently it's Merton Hanks. So that's really weird. Also, it's Eric Armstead's birthday today. Happy birthday, Eric Armstead. Did you I see Eric Armstead call out that Jags lineman for a dirty play? Like if Eric Armstead's calling you out for a dirty play, you must have done some shady stuff. I don't know, man. He's called me out so many times, and I feel like <laughs> I didn't deserve it. So, well, I don't know. I'm on Brandon Scherf's side. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't see what Scherf did. I, I should probably take that back yeah. before I take I need that. to actually go back and watch that because I had forgotten I about know. that. Um, I don't know. Do you think that the defensive stuff, like, that they found it, right? That they figured it out, and then that they this is what they're going to be going forward? Or do you think it's mm. like, hey, they changed some stuff, but also the Jags can't really pass block, which is true. Yeah, it might have been a matchup thing. So it's like they felt good playing press man coverage. Cool. Like you're not scared of Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. You That's a no-brainer. Plus, you're going up against a team that throws a bunch of screens and has a terrible offensive line. Like th that was made to order for the 49ers. But what's going to happen when you go against Philly and they have the best offensive line in the league in A.J. Brown and Ambry Thomas on the field? <laughs> what you did against Jacksonville isn't going to matter. It's a totally different matchup. And you might not even want to play Ambry Thomas in that matchup. You might feel like, you know what? The Eagles don't really have a great slot receiver. Let's play Isaiah Oliver and see if we can get away with it. You know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, matchup. don't worry. We will absolutely find out. A 187 says, I'm 43 today also. So happy birthday, 187. Appreciate you. You're in uh, a lot of the streams I do, and I'm sure a lot of the streams you do as well, Graham. So if I have to ask you for a prediction for this week, Niners Bucks, are you predicting another 49er victory? No, I'm predicting the four and five bucks to come into town and beat the force. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The only way the Niners lose this game is if they do what they did during the losing streak and sort of not take it seriously, pace themselves, look ahead. I don't think they're gonna do that in week eleven. I think they're past that. I think the sort the Niners have done this so many times they've been together so many times they're an older team they sort of pace themselves in the first half of the year they will sit guys who are sort of maybe injured just to i mean they did that they'll do that in the first half of the year now if you can play you got to play and i think all these vets who make a lot of money understand the time for pacing themselves is over they've kind of flipped the switch and i expect them to smack tampa this weekend because they can and they should if they want to, I, I don't know. They messed around for three weeks. If they lose to Tampa, something's wrong. Something's yeah. super wrong. I don't expect that. I don't, I don't know expect if you that at this. All. Fred Warner in the huddle in the locker room after the game said, quote, I think it's safe to say we learned our lesson from here on out. It's one game, one game at a time. Let's go get it next week against Tampa. That's what he said to the team as he was breaking down the huddle in the locker room after the game. So that completely backs up what you're saying. Like, Basically, they messed around and found out in the first half of the year, and now it's all gas, no breaks, to go back to an old Robert Sala saying. Yeah, it's like when they beat Dallas, they had this attitude like, well, we just, we just, you know, passed, aced our midterm. Right. We got nothing really to worry about till the final. We got the, we got the Eagles once, but essentially we know we're going to be in the Super Bowl, if not the NFC Championship game. And it's like, can we hurry up and get there? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the kind of attitude that will humble any team. And they still have a long way to go. They got Tampa this week. Can you, will you slip back into old patterns? And that's what scares me about the Niners. They're so quick to say, like, we learned our lesson. We're better for it. That's behind us. It's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. Have, have you changed in a week? Maybe. Prove it again. Do it again. Don't pat yourself. Can you stop patting yourselves on the back? You've been doing it for four or five years. Stop. And also, like, if you get up by 30 points in the fourth quarter, rest everybody because you got to play on the short week on Thanksgiving in Seattle. So rest every. So maybe it's even more of a good thing that the streak is over now because if it was still going and then we got to the fourth quarter next week and McCaffrey didn't have a touchdown, like, no, get up early. That should be their mission in this Tampa game. Get up early and then give Sam Darnold like a half of football. That's the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, or at least a quarter. In the fourth quarter, I don't care if the Niners are up. 20 points, which they've been a lot. Yeah. And we should see Darnold, Jordan Mason, Ronnie Bell, like get Trent Williams the hell out of there. Come on. Obvious. And if Kyle does it and, you know, his point differential suffers as, as a result, I'll think higher of him. I'll think higher of him. I agree. I know he got so scared because the Lions almost came back last year. I don't care, man. Why? I that was yeah. two years ago. Sorry. And that was oh, yeah, because right. George Kittle literally fumbled an onside kick. George Kittle. Kyle didn't do anything wrong in that game. It was Kittle's fault. Yeah. It was 41-17 at the two-minute warning, and the Lions ended uh-huh. up having the ball in their hands with a chance to tie the game at the end. But you're right. It was a yeah. fluke. But he always goes back to that game as like, see, that's why I can't take anybody out. It's like, dude, first of all, disaster happened, and you still won. So if anything, that should tell you that you can take people out. Hopefully he does. Uh, people are predicting 89 to three scores in the chat. The Shaw says, where's Jair Brown? Why is he not playing? I don't know. I, I, I don't have any other deeper analysis. My, my uh, theory is that um, they may have drafted him not to replace Gibson, but to replace Hafunga. Mm. And you say, why would they replace Hafunga? Well, Hafunga was an all pro last year. And all pro safeties make 15 to $20 million a year. And I don't know if the Niners have budgeted that for Talanoa Hufunga. And I don't know that he's going to get it because he's kind of coming back down to earth. But if that's what he can get on the open market and the Niners aren't budgeting to spend that much on a, on a strong safety, maybe they'll feel like, you know what, we'll get another one and see what, what happens. Because, I mean, to me, Jair Brown with his 4740 yard dash kind of profiles as like another Hufunga, not necessarily a compliment to Hufunga. But I don't know. Maybe they could compliment each other. Hufanga plays differently than I think most people play, though. Like, he does have that sort of very instinctual kind of good feel for the game. He seems to be uh, when a ball gets tipped, Hufanga's there. Like, he's always around the ball. To me, that's a quality that not everybody has, and it's not easily yeah. replaceable. But would you spend $15 million a year on Talano Hufanga? No, I would not. No. And I think the Niners sort of realize that. I think a lot of people look at that all pro he had last year is a little fraudulent. Like, did he deserve it? Was he really an all pro safety last year? Did he make splash plays on a great defense? And is he associated with Troy Palomalu? You know, things like that. So whatever, he's going to get paid big bucks. And the Niners, you know, they're going to have to pay Brandon Ayuk and Aaron Banks. And maybe they just feel like we like Talanoa. He's a great pick for us. And on a rookie deal, he's a, he's a, a bargain, but we're not. We're not gonna. What have they ever spent that kind of money on a safety? That just might be a, a position they're not willing to spend on. 
Could be. Or it could be a hedge also. Like maybe they hope they can get Hufanga back, but at least that's their insurance. So they don't have to. That's true. Break yeah. the bank. We'll find out either yeah. way. But I agree with you. I think the Niners should win and win big against Tampa Bay. And then you'll be you'll be in a good spot. You'll be seven and three. You'll be going into the tougher part of your schedule, the Seattle Philly, Seattle part of the schedule. And I think if you win two out of those three, you'll be in a great spot at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team's going to the playoffs. They probably blew the opportunity to get the number one seed, but that's not, you know, finished yet. And they're probably going to have to win some games on the road in the playoffs. They can do it. Um, it's the same seat. It's the same shit. I feel like I'm watching a show on HBO and it's season eight and there's like a new bad guy and there's a new guest star, but essentially it's the same. I mean, it's like the Sopranos, right? Every season of the Sopranos is the same. A great, great show, but it's always like some other mobster is in town giving Tony a tough time. What's Tony going to do about it? Every season. Oh, he's out of jail. Oh, it's his cousin. Oh no, it's his sister. It's like, okay, here we go. And Tony's stressed. Oh, he's stressed. I mean, he's got stuff at home and he's got to go to therapy and he's having panic. Yep, yep. Love it, love it, love the thing. And that's the Niners formula. They are the Sopranos in the NFL. It just didn't work out so well for Tony. I just ruined the end of the Sopranos. I am so sorry. Can I? Can so I, sorry. That's something? Yeah. Didn't really like the Sopranos. Watched a couple episodes. Never, didn't do much for me. Turned it off. Never really watched it. All right. Nope. Hey, teach his own. I've seen a I lot. I don't have to convince you that Sopranos. Some people enjoy the Sopranos. That's ninety-eight percent of the population. You're in the other two percent. I respect it. Look, I've seen a lot of mafia movies and TV shows. Okay, my first of all, my last name is Guerrera, so yes, I'm into all that stuff. Casino, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. Departed, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it was was the Sopranos that different? Yeah. No, never really did it. I just don't see how you could like Goodfellas and Casino and not like The Sopranos. Like that's catnip for anyone who likes those two movies. But that's just me. I don't I don't know. It's a fair point. It is a very fair point. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks, everybody. Please like and subscribe to both YouTube channels, the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel and Grant Cohen's YouTube channel. Also, please rate, review and follow the Gold Standard Network podcast feed. If you want to support the show, the best thing you can do Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let's sneak this one in here before we go. James Walsh says, I'm 35 and was watching highlights for my favorite running backs from childhood. We had some great running backs in our time. Today, kids have the quarterback wide receiver. They don't know running backs. Fair. That's true. When we were kids, there were some incredible running backs. Some of the best athletes in the league were running backs. Fred Taylor, Corey Dillon, Priest Holmes. Remember Priest Holmes? Free. And he was good. Yes. And there were guys like that all the time. Garrison Hirsch was phenomenal. He was really good. Charlie I like just Park. naming running backs. Sean Alexander. Marshall Falk. <laughs> and remember we, how good Marshall Falk was? He was like Christian McCaffrey, but better. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but What's up, right. Bunny? The best athletes are wide receivers now. And I get it because they make a hell of a lot more money and they take a hell of a lot less punishment. So it makes sense. I would do the same thing. If my kid was ever good enough to play football, the last position I would tell him to play is running back. I think he's smart that Debo Samuel gets to say he's a wide receiver and get paid as a wide receiver, even though he's not a wide receiver. (laughs) Hey, Christian McCaffrey should do that too. He was back and they won. So I'm not questioning it. Okay. All right. What's up, Bunny? Man, that bunny is chilling, man. I've never seen a bunny just hang out like that. What do you know that I don't? I'm going to let like you go hang out with that rabbit anyway. Have a good rest What's of up, your day, everybody.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.